right, see everybody, I want you to go ahead, if you have your Bible, go ahead and have that ready to turn to. We're going to have some scriptures on the screen for you, but as we step into the message today, I just want to really encourage you, let's begin really getting into our Bibles or our phone or our tablets or your iMac or whatever you're carrying right now. It could be anything these days, right? I was laughing yesterday because we were sitting around our house and, and Faith was in the room with me and Annette. We were talking and we were talking about technology and I looked over and I realized I had four screens available to me in that moment. I had my watch, my phone, my iPad mini, and my iPad Pro. And I was like, wow, if I just get my laptop, that would be five. I mean, it was unbelievable. But isn't that the world we live in? The beauty of it is this, that if you access the YouVersion Bible on your phone, you have access to literally uh, you know, 30, 40, 50 translations in English itself. And I want to encourage you to do that. Get in the Word. And this whole series this summer is about getting back into the Word, Bible engagement we call it, engaging the Scripture, and really developing deeper and stronger foundations. Now, we'll pray in just a moment, but I want to show you this. This is called a Simply Fit Board. You may have seen this on TV. We've talked about it. And all it is, it's about, it's a simple piece of plat, basically a skateboard that's been bent. And what it's for, it's it's to help you strengthen your core. Many of you have been to the gym off and on. Some of us need to go more than others. Can I get an amen? Talking about myself right now. And so, but what happened if you go and you get coached at the gym, you have somebody who will mentor you and train you, the thing they're going to talk about the most, anybody know? The core, strengthening your core. It's what supports your back. It's what gives you correct posture. It's what keeps you stable and steady. And that's what this board is all about. And what we're doing this summer is we're going through a series called This We Believe. And it is literally all about strengthening your core. And so we're laying strong foundations, talking about what we as a church believe, and as we navigate what we believe, we actually strengthen ourselves. I prayed it earlier, it's this, that though the winds of adversity may blow in our lives, we may be bent, but we don't have to be broken. Can I get an amen? So that's what strengthening your core is all about. We've used various examples besides the Fitboard. Uh, we've talked about, uh, in fact, I'll just show you this. This is a house that has a bad foundation. Obviously, it's disjointed, it's broken, and the longer that goes on without repair, it's going to continue to be worse. Why? Because a bad foundation means it's going to be a bad house. So when we're called the temple of the Holy Spirit in the Scripture, that we are the dwelling place of God, that He dwells in a house not made with hands, He dwells in us, we're talking about building a house that will last for the long haul. Last week, I talked about the Ashlar stones of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Having been there and seen those and put our hands on those stones, some of them weighing up to 80 tons, unbelievable, 40 feet long, and they were laid over 2,000 years ago. And yet, they are still there, and the Temple Mount is actually still supported by those foundation stones. What is that? It's the power and the wisdom of laying a good foundation. Because here's the thing. You know, we had July 4th, right? Just shortly, not too long ago. We watched the show just like everybody else. A lot of people, maybe you watched one on TV, The Big Spectacular. We watched The Big Spectacular here at the airport, right? From our parking lot right here. And the thing that I'm always aware of are bottle rockets. How many of you love bottle rockets? Have any of you ever put a bottle rocket in your teeth and sent it off? <laughs> Nobody's going to admit that in this group right now. 
I have not. I watched my dad do it once, and I said, no, thank you. He put a black cat, one of those things, in, and he'd shoot it out of his mouth, and we'd all go, that's kind of cool, but not real bright, Dad. But um, watching bottle rockets go off, and I, I see a lot of believers in Christ, a lot of followers of Jesus who, they step over the line, they go, in all, they go all in with Jesus, they, in a sense, burn the ships behind them, so there's no going back, right? And yet, they go up in this blaze of glory. If you've ever fired off a bottle rocket or a Roman candle or one of those, it's really spectacular going up and it makes this sound as it goes. And you see the sparks and you anticipate the pop at the top. And I've watched a lot of believers do that very thing. They get on fire, they get excited, and they go up and they're in a blaze of glory. But unfortunately, it's short-lived. And the reason it's short-lived is because they don't take the time to lay solid, firm foundations. And so the last thing we ever want for anyone in our family, anyone in our community who are followers of Jesus, is to go up like a bottle rocket and then come down in shards. So we're taking the time this summer doing this series called This We Believe. There's a picture of the Temple Mount still to this day. Rock solid, everything there in place because it was built to last. Today we're talking about this. I'm going to go back We're talking about salvation. That word gets thrown around as though we all know what it means. And I remember when I was at college at Howard Payne University, and I had a friend of mine that I went to summer school with. I just met him. We built a relationship through the semester. We were talking because I couldn't help it. Here's the thing. Whatever you're full of is going to leak out. Am I correct? I was so full of Jesus, young, on fire, ministerial student, excited about the future, excited about being trained for ministry to do what I've been doing here for 30 plus years, 35 now. And I remember talking to my friend, he went to another church from another tradition, another denomination, and I just assumed we were on the same page. And we were talking about salvation. We were talking about what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean? And he looked at me with the most Deer in the headlights, calf looking at a new gate. If you don't know what that means, ask somebody. (laughs) Ask a country boy, they'll know what that means. A calf looking at a new gate, I mean, just kind of that deer in the headlights, you know, the dog looking at the Victrola, you know, that look. And I remember going, you know, you know, being, being saved. He goes, saved from what? Well, it turns out his mother was the minister of that church or the priest. I'm not sure what they call that position, but she was like the pastor, the shepherd of the church. And he had never in all of his years heard anyone talk about being saved, about salvation, about being born again. He said, well, I was baptized when I was a baby. And I said, well, that's great. You got wet. You had a bath. That's wonderful. But what about now? What is your experience with Jesus now? What's your engagement with Jesus Christ now? And he just, again, looked at me puzzled. And so we it, entered, it started us into a series of conversations. And we'd go back and forth. And boy, what it did for me, and this is a good thing, y'all. Whenever you're challenged in your faith, the best thing that can happen is for you to run to the Scripture. Run to the Bible and say, all right, Lord, Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, teach me, guide me into all truth. Because what we learned about the Holy Spirit in our series, He's, a spirit, he's the Spirit who teaches us and guides us, the Spirit of truth. So I went to my Bible and I tore it up. Man, I got out my highlighters, my pens. This was before iPads, okay? I had to actually open a Bible. I had to use a concordance. Anybody remember those? 
I had to use a concordance. I would actually find there was no web. I couldn't type up Bible verses on faith, Bible verses on hope, and then get 30 you know, in a list. It was literally hands-on, diving in, and we went back and throughout that summer, I was a lifeguard at the pool at the college, and he'd come to the pool after class, and we would just talk about Jesus. You know what that was? That was an engaging summer for me. And what it did for me, it solidified what I believed about being born again, about being saved. Because I, when he asked me saved from what, I had to think a little bit and go, well, yeah, I need to really think that through. What would I tell a person? So we're going to talk about that today. So that's what we're doing. We're talking about salvation today. We've talked about God. We talked about Jesus another week. We talked about the Holy Spirit last week. And today we're going to talk about this thing called salvation. Because here's the thing. Oak Hills Church, if you think in terms of a, um, of a broad umbrella or a canopy, you have to understand we're a very broad umbrella here, theologically speaking. There's a heritage, but this goes back 16 plus years since the change was made, of churches of Christ. But then there's also, we're a, an interdenominational, multi-denominational, multi-generational church. You could say we're non-denominational, but I don't know that that's really accurate for us. As I've gotten to know Oak Hills over the last two and a half years, I would have to say we're really more multi-generational. I mean, multi-denominational. So we have people coming here from the Catholic tradition, people from Episcopalian, People from uh, the Baptist tradition, which was my tradition. And we have people coming from non-denominational and what I lovingly call the charismaniac tradition. Amen? (laughs) Jason, I saw that hand. Okay, there you go. So we have people from all different traditions that are sitting together on the same row. Some of you even next to each other or one chair away. And you come from vastly different experiences. And somehow, we're supposed to come together, link arms and go, let's go for Jesus. Well, sometimes we need to talk about some terminology, and I'm all about clarification in words. So I want to share this with you. This is a doctrinal statement. You can go on our website and find this. But this is a talking in terms of what salvation as a statement. So don't just think, oh, that's some dry doctrinal statement. This is actually very powerful and compelling. So it says this, salvation is... A free gift of God. We'll talk about what it is, what salvation is itself. It's a free gift of God, and I'm telling you, I'm thankful for that. Because when I came to Jesus, I was bankrupt. I don't know about you, but I was spiritually, personally, emotionally bankrupt when I came to Jesus. The death of Christ on the cross is the only sufficient payment for our sins. All have sinned, but all can be saved. Now that's good news, amen? This salvation is available for any who put their trust in Christ as Savior. Those trusting Christ should repent of sin, confess their faith in Jesus, we'll talk more about that in a minute, and be baptized, follow the Lord and believers' baptism. There's some scripture references that, those, that that is drawn from. If you want to get a picture of that or whatever, you can. It's also on our Oak Hills page online on Facebook. You can see that. Uh, as well. But that's our doctrinal statement about, uh, about salvation. But I want to also give some scripture and then we're going to talk about what the word actually means in the original language. So in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, which will really be our, if we're going to build a house, this will be the foundation of the house we're building today in the message. This is one of my, and I know you're going to say, he says this every week, one of my favorite passages. 
this really is in the top three, okay? So it's not just the top ten. This is like way up there because listen to what it says. And you can read along with me. And this is in the uh, English Standard Version I'm using today. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That right there is massive. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Then the next verse says this. The next verse. Oh, there it is. Verse 9. I was going to verse 9. That is verse 9. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, I want to give you what that word saved means. For by grace you've been saved. So what is saved? Here's what it means. And you may have heard this term before, because there's actually a ministry that's, that's captured the name of this. And it's the word sozo in the Greek, and that's Koine Greek, so it doesn't read like today's Greek. Similar, but not the same. This is the Greek that was in the first century called Koine. And it literally means this. Sozo, or to be saved, means this. To save, it means to deliver. So if I'm saved, I'm also delivered. It means to protect, or it means it literally or figuratively. It means to heal. Come on, amen? By the way, I'll give you an example of this. I got a call this morning from Steve Butler. Many of y'all know Steve. We call him the Colonel around here. For those of you who maybe don't know, but you've been here a while, if you've ever seen a cane shoot up out off the front row and kind of waving around, that is not the hook from the gong show. Thank the Lord. I probably would have been gonged a time or two. But that's actually Steve Butler. We call him the Colonel because he was a full bird Colonel in his career. But uh, he called me this morning. He is here, faithful. He even comes on Thursday nights to worship rehearsal, to pray, and just because he loves to be here. He loves to be in God's house. And he's a widower. And he, was, um, he called me this morning. And he said, Pastor Jimmy, and I could tell from his voice he wasn't feeling well. I know him pretty well by now. And, and he said, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it for pre-service prayer. We do pre-service prayer at 930, which all of you are welcome to attend. We meet right back there in the cruise student area. And I could tell from his voice. And he said this. He said, uh, he said uh, I'm not feeling well today. I said, Colonel, do we need to send somebody over there? Are you okay? Do, can we get you anything? And he, he said this. He said, well, you can pray for me. And he started to say something else. And I didn't even let him finish his sentence. And I began to pray. And you know what I began to pray over him? I began to pray for Sozo. Because this is fresh on my mind. That's what it means to be saved. It means to be whole. And so I begin to pray for Sozo over the colonel's life. I begin to speak and I, I ask the Lord to rebuke the devourer for his sake. To rebuke the enemy on his behalf. Because if you know the colonel, he, he, he prays. I mean, he really prays. He's saved. He's real saved. You know what I'm saying? He's on fire for Jesus. And so I just went after it with us. You know what that was in that moment? There was a sozo moment where he felt relief. Even if it was in his spirit and his mind, he felt relief because a brother stood with him and what the Bible calls as iron sharpens iron. So one friend sharpens the countenance of another, Scripture says. So it was an iron sharpened iron moment. What was that? It was sozo. It was two saved people reminding each other that we're saved. That in Jesus, we're healed, we're whole. So that's what we did. We actually walked out sozo this morning in that moment. Do you know you can do that all day long? 
It's a beautiful thing. It means to save, as we said. It means to do well. And then the last part, I love this. To be or to make whole. That's what sozo is. So we have a sozo ministry. We're very connected with Tommy Hayes and Rafa God Ministry. That's right there in San Antonio, Bernie area. And it's a ministry of freedom. So like, I'll put it this way. If you ever feel stuck spiritually, like you've tried everything and it's not working for you, and it's like I've prayed, I try to read the Bible, but it's, it's just almost jumbled on a page, and you just feel like you've hit this point where you can't go any further. Well, what Sozo Ministry does, it's a freedom session where you pray through that and you're guided through that by someone who's trained in Sozo Ministry, and the, the result is breakthrough. Or I like to say, you go from being stuck to unstuck. I don't know about you, but that's appealing to me. And I've gone through the Sozo very, many times myself, as well as led many people through a Sozo session, as we call it. So, here we are, laying strong foundations, again, based on Ephesians chapter 2. And there they are, by grace, through faith, it's a gift... And it's not by work. So I want to lead you through these, give you some scripture to back that up. And we're talking about what does it mean by grace? This is a definition that I developed for grace many, many years ago when grace as a doctrine really began, came on the scene and people started to talk about grace. And actually, it's a little before that. But the word kept coming up because I was working with a lot of college students. In fact, a couple of hundred college students, as a matter of fact. And these college students were, were coming from various backgrounds, and we were always going at it theologically. And I did a deep dive, exegetical study on the word grace. I looked at it from many angles, and I came up with this definition. Very simple. Grace is, I call it P-S-A-F. I'm a very simple person. That helps me remember it. God's power. There's the P. Grace is God's power, God's strength. God's ability and God's favor to do what you cannot in and of yourself do. That's what grace is. We're saved by grace. We can't do it ourselves, in and of ourselves, but it is God's power, strength, ability, and favor to do what we can't do in and of ourselves. That's what it is. Scripture, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. For the grace, there it is, power, strength, ability, and favor. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation, and I'll break that word down, let's go ahead and read the verse, bringing salvation for all people. How many people? Another passage says, whosoever will. And another scripture says this, for God is not willing that any should perish. God holds out this offer of salvation as a free gift by grace through faith because He is not willing that any should perish. Now, will there be some that perish? According to the Scripture, there is, unfortunately. But He's not willing that any. His will is for all to come to the knowledge of the truth that Jesus Christ saves. That Jesus Christ is our Messiah. Somebody give me an Amen. Now look at, he says, for all people, verse 12, the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us. Grace of God and salvation trains us for this, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled. You know, that's an ugly word if you're not living it, but I'm telling you, when you're full of Jesus, it's a glorious word. Look at that, self-controlled, upright. Anybody know another word for upright? There you go. 
Good, Jerry. Upright. It means righteousness. The word righteous means to be upright. That's exactly what that means. It says this, upright and godly lives in the present age. It's not for when we cross over the river into Beulah land. It is actually for here, now, today, right here in the present moment, this present moment. Now I want to back up. That word salvation, this is yet another word regarding the same thing. We said sozo was the other word. This is the word soteria, and it's from that word salvation. And these words have some commonalities And it means this, it means deliverance. I don't know about you, but I love the fact that God's grace brought deliverance. It brought deliverance. Here's the beauty of it. I'll give you a quick Greek lesson. There's there's an element in Greek called punctiliar. What punctiliar means is that something happens at a point in time and then it goes forever. Forever. Now it happens at a moment in time and then it goes forever. Am I clear? So like, if you're looking at a timeline of your life, there's a point in time where something happens. That's what this means. And this word is punctiliar in nature, which means it happens at a moment, and then it continues for eternity. That's what I love. That's what salvation is. It's punctiliar in nature. In other words, there's a point in your life, you've heard me use the verbiage, step over the line. Go all in. And I love the story, burn the ships. Why? Because we're not going back. Amen? So that's that idea. But when you do that, Jesus says you must be born again. Born of water, born of the Spirit. When that happens, there is a point in time. Even though we are on a journey, we're on a pilgrimage, we're walking, we're growing, we're learning, but there is a moment in time, punctiliar, where soteria happens. It's the moment you step over the line and you embrace what Jesus has done. We'll look at some scripture about that in just a moment, but I want to lead you up to that because I want you to understand the nature of this word soteria. Or, or, uh, yeah, soteria. Deliverance. It means preservation. God's grace has appeared bringing preservation and protection for all people. Training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passage. All of that because of Jesus Christ Himself. It says this, waiting for our blessed hope. Remember what the word hope? I'm a, I'm a word guy, so I'm always breaking down the words. The word hope means confident, joyful expectation of a desired good. Let me say that again. The word hope in the original language means not wishful thinking. Anybody remember the wish book? The catalog where you'd circle pictures and leave it on your parents' uh, table all through the month of November and early December? That's the wish book. We're not talking about wishful thinking. We're talking about confident, joyful expectation. So when I hope biblically, that means I'm confident. I know in my knower this is going to come to pass. Why? Because it's based on hope not wishful thinking. I hope that makes sense. So it's much stronger than how we've defined it in our culture. Waiting for our blessed, confident, joyful expectation of a desired good, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you've been around me five minutes, I've also defined the word glory. You know what the word glory means? It's not some cloud, nebulous cloud floating around. We go, oh, the glory of God. It's literally, that's the Shekinah. That's a whole different thing. It's a Hebrew word. 
In the Greek, this glory, doxa, literally means this. It means his manifested presence. So the blessed expectation and the appearing of his presence. You may or may not get it. You may or may not know it. But we spend time in here praying that every molecule of the atmosphere that you're sitting in right now is so laced with the presence of God that every breath you take this morning, you're actually breathing Him in. Why? Because we believe that He wants to manifest His glory right here in us and among us. Amen? So, enjoy your breathing this morning. You're breathing rare air. So, here's the next one. Through faith. So by grace, through faith, and John 6.40 says this, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes, there's that word, faith is the word pistos, pistos, it literally means pistos, it's like to believe, and it means to adamantly, intensely believe. It means literally not moved, not shaken, it's a very strong word. Look at this, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Notice it says, for this is the will of my Father. Here's the thing. If I know something is God's will, then I can pray and declare it with passion. Have you ever prayed for something and you felt tenuous about it? Like, I'm not really sure if this is God's will, but I'm just going to ask. Have you noticed the difference between when you know something is God's will and when you're hoping it's God's will? You know what I'm saying? It's the difference between a request and agreement and a declaration where you're aligning yourself and agreeing with God and His, His absolutely, uh, His manifest will, His desire, and now you're saying, because I know that's His will, then I can call it forth in the name of Jesus. It's a different authority that you walk in. The first one is a spirit of appeal. The second one is a spirit of declaration and agreement. It's powerful. So that's the will of the Father. That everyone, He is not willing that any should perish. And you may be sitting there thinking, that's great, then somebody should go tell them. Somebody should say something out there. Somebody should come talk to my co-worker about that because Lord knows they need Jesus, right? Some of you feeling that. Here's the beauty and here's here's the joy of this. You and I get to participate with Him in this endeavor. We get to be a part of it. We get to be His hands, His feet, and sometimes even His mouthpiece that we can bring this good news to those in our sphere of influence. You know every one of you have a sphere of influence. For some of you, it may be as small as your cat, but I'm just saying, others may have a much larger sphere, but we all have a given sphere of influence. And within that given sphere, we have the ability to speak. And people listen. People will hear our hearts. John 3.16, you may be familiar with this one. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And He's saying, now here's why. That whoever, whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. I like to keep going here because this next verse is so reveals the heart and the will of God. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. If you're sitting there today and you feel like, I have done nothing but live under condemnation. I've done nothing but live under this weight. Listen, if that's you, look what He's saying. He didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn you. He did this. 
God did not send His Son to the world to condemn the world, but anything behind or that goes before a but gets negated because He's elevating the statement. He says this, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. So if you're sitting here and you're living under this dark cloud of condemnation and weight, listen, the good news is, and it is good news, the gospel is good news. Not bad news, not okay news, it's good news. And the good news for you is you don't have to live another moment under condemnation. Because in Christ, and again, in Jesus, through Jesus, by grace, through faith, you can step over the line into Christ and never have to live another moment under the weight of condemnation. That's freedom. And that's what you're called to. Every one of us are called to freedom. It's a gift. This is, this is amazing. You mean it's not going to cost me anything? No. It's not. I used to, I used to back it up because, again, this is part of, my, um, part of my traditional heritage where I'd say salvation in Jesus is a free gift, but after you get saved, everything else is going to cost you. Wow. Oh, that was so off. Shame on me. I'm slapping my own hand. So listen to this. It's a gift. And listen to what the Scripture says. For the wages of sin is death. That's what we earn, right? Through this world. Through living the wage. That's what we deserve. But the free gift. Someone say free gift. Free. You know what free in the Koine Greek means? Free. Help me somebody. Oh, thank you. We have Bible scholars in the crowd. It means free. It means exactly. It means you don't pay a dime. It's not anything you do. It is a free gift. And it is, the gift is this. Eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. The good thing about eternal life is it doesn't start when you die physically. It started the moment you stepped over the line. The moment you in your heart said, I want this Jesus. I want you. I want you. I want everything you are. And here's why. Because it hasn't been working out very good for me. I tried it my way and it's not working. I need you. I need an encounter with you. And that is when he says, there you go. Eternity begins for you. And for some of you today, eternity might just begin for you today. So, here it is. It's not by works. Listen to this out of Galatians. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. It's, just, it's not by following the rules. If you're a rule follower, yay, good on you. My daughter's a rule follower. I'm driving 56. She's calling me out. I'm not lying. I'm not even joking. She, she got her license last year. I did all the, all the driving with her. She drives like a 99-year-old. And I keep helping her say, look, it's good to be safe, but if you're too slow, you're actually creating a hazard. So we're working on that. Um, but, so she'll call me out constantly. Why? Because she's a rule follower by nature. So here's the deal. Look what it says. But, but in Christ, look at this. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith. We're justified through faith. Not by what we do, not by following the rules, but by faith in Jesus. Here's the good news. He died for you so He could give His life to you. And here's the crazy, amazing part. is so He could live His life through you. Takes the pressure off of you. Pressure's on the promises, not on you. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law, no one will be justified. 
So it's not by keeping the rules and coloring in the lines and just making sure that you're so safe that you never ever once do anything that might possibly create a problem. You know what? You're going to live a dull, dead, non-compelling life in Christ. I'm telling you, some of the most radical, on-fire people I've met break stuff all the time. And the beauty about the kingdom, it's the same thing I was told when I worked, went to work for Dave Ramsey in Nashville a few years ago. And they had this amazing data system. And I was nervous because it had thousands, literally 400 and something thousand names on it. And I was afraid I was going to push the wrong button. Finally, finally, Barmer told me, he said, look, bro, you can't break it. And when I found out I couldn't break it, guess what happened? Freedom. I began to explore and learn and, get, and I taught myself the system because once I knew I couldn't break it, I was free. Let me just say something about the kingdom. God loves you so much. You're valued. You're important. But you're not that big. You can't break the kingdom. You can't break it. Which means lean into it. Creative expression, creative life, lean into it. Joy, passion, peace, lean into those. How God wired you and your personality, run free. Lean into it. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So here it is, super simple. I shared this last week. Going all in, step over the line. Receive Jesus. Yield to Jesus. And rest. Receive, yield, rest. It's not that complicated. So here it is, Romans 10.9. You may have read this scripture before. I want to land with this. Romans 10 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's not just a literal, Jesus is Lord, I'm in. Woohoo, glory. It's declaring the truth that He's the Lord over your life. It's more than just making a statement. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and, come on up Russ, believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. Remember we talked about this? We want to go from here, the 18 inches in the average man, center of the brain, center of the heart, from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge. I just call it knowing in your knower. We want to know in our knower. We want to believe that God raised him from the dead. The truth that Jesus who was crucified was also raised. He says that we talked about that when we talked about Jesus. You will be saved. Soteria. You will be saved. Sozo. It's the same derivative. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just say this with me. I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to ask you to simply repeat it just as a statement. I am an everyone. Let's say it together. I am an everyone. Let's do it one more time. I am an everyone. I want you to get that and understand. He's saying everyone. Anyone, everyone, whoever, whosoever, depending on what translation you're using, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I want to share this with you. This is not a great graphic, but... This was developed a number of years ago by Dr. Rice Brooks. I worked with Rice for many years. I was on staff at his organization, his church up in Nashville. And he developed this idea of what is the gospel. 
In fact, this is so compelling, our entire staff, we had over 100 people on staff, we all memorized this. And it was so compelling that my daughter at seven, at, I don't know how old Faith was at the time, eight, nine, she was little, tiny. She memorized it with us because we were doing it so much because it took a little more effort for us to memorize it than a little child, I'm just saying. And we memorized the statement. I remember her saying it with us. I remember how much it meant to us. In fact, it was so compelling and powerful that she stepped over the line and gave her life to Christ at a young age and was baptized. Here's the thing. Maybe you did too. And I'll talk about the statement just said. But maybe you did that too. But here's the thing. Later on, a number of years later, when she was 12 years old, she was at a youth camp, and she realized that at that young age that when she accepted Christ got baptized, she realized, I really didn't know anything. I just had limited knowledge. I was a child. But at 12, as she began to learn and her cognitive expanded, she began to realize, you know what? I need to go all in. In fact, she was at a youth camp with one of my former youth ministers, and he did a thing called Burn the Ships. They actually built it half a ship and burned it. I mean, it was like typical youth ministry, right? It was pretty powerful. Good idea. They're awesome. So he burned the ship, and they burned the ship at the end of camp, made a big bonfire out of it. But the idea was not going back, and that was such a compelling message to faith at 12. And she says, I know for a fact, I might have been born again as a little one because God took me on my own terms, but at 12, I know I stepped over and something changed. It may be different for you. Maybe when you were young, you stepped over the line, but maybe as an adult, it's like, you know what? There's a re-engagement that needs to happen. I know it's easy to look on our past and go, yeah, it was great. What be-? I remember these stories, but, but the thing is, is it current to you today? Salvation is punctiliar. One moment in time and then forever, and it's just as current today as it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 5 years ago, 3 months ago, whenever you stepped over. It should be just as current today. In fact, you should not be diminishing in your passion, your hunger, your desire for Him and for His Word. In fact, if anything, it should be increasing. I told our elders on Monday night at our little meeting, I said, I feel our gathering. I said, I feel like I'm just, it's exponential for me. Where it's like, I got born again and it was strong, but I feel like I've hit a new curve right now where it's like the reality of Jesus and the reality of the gospel is rocking my world. So much so that it is messing me up. I will tell you, in love, I am undone by who He is. Now look at this definition of the gospel. This is a great definition. I've shared this once before, just passing in a message, and many of you were like, what was that? What was that? Well, here it is. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, He rose from the dead, proving that He is the Son of God and offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins to anyone who repents and believes the gospel. At the heart of salvation is the gospel. And that is that Jesus...